Welcome. One of the very important general principles which, uh, regarding Rashi's commentary, which we have discussed many times, is that Rashi is not in the habit of discussing the reasons for the mitzvahs of the Torah. Unless the reason is implicit in some of the words of the Torah, or unless knowing the reason can help us answer certain basic questions about the simple meaning of the Torah. But as a topic in and of itself, as a topic for its own sake, Tamei HaMitzvahs is not a topic that Rashi addresses. We see this in Parshas Tazriya Mitzvahra, in the Psukim which discuss the Mitzvahra, which discuss the, the uh, illness, the illness or the phenomenon known as Saras. We see it because the whole reason for Tsaras, which Rashi identifies as being Lashon Hara, that a person is, can be stricken with Tsaras for the sin of speaking Lashon Hara, Rashi does not tell us that until the 46th Pasuk in the Parsha about Tsaras. So if Rashi were interested in reasons for the mitzvahs, he could have started with the very first Pasuk, but he doesn't, because the Torah doesn't tell us the reason for why, why a person uh, gets saras. Even in Pasuk 46, in Pasuk Memvav, uh, Perik Yud Gimel, where Rashi does mention it, that it has to do with Lashon Hara, even there, the Torah does not say it directly, but Rashi uses it there to answer a certain question. So we do see, I think, a very strong proof in general to Rashi's tendency that he does not uh, particularly interest himself in Tameha Mitzvahs. However, if we take a careful look at some of the Psukim, we will see certain places where it looks like Rashi did break his rule and he got involved in reasons. Let's take a look at Perik Yud Gimel, Pasuk Memhe. At this point in the Torah's uh, presentation, of the laws of Saras, we are talking about a person who has been diagnosed with Saras, and all of the inspections are finished, and he has been declared by the Koyan to be a Metzorah, or a Tsarua. And he now is going to have to wait a certain amount of time, and he's going to have to wait for the condition to clear up, and then he can undergo a certain purification process. So Pasek Memhe says, Vat Tsarua, the person stricken with saras, asher boha nega, in whom the nega, in whom this lesion or this this incidence of saras has uh, has appeared, this person, mean, this meaning this person who has been declared, been declared to be a mitzvah, v'gadov yiyu fromim, his clothing shall be torn, v'roisho yiyeferua, and his head shall be farua. We'll see how Rashi translates the word farua. The al-safam ya'ateh. And on his lip he shall cover. We'll see how Rashi explains that. The tamei tamei yikroa. And he shall call out tamei tamei. Impure, impure. Let's see Rashi. Frumim. So Rashi explains the word frumim means kiruim, torn. So he must have torn clothing, similar to an ovil. Farua, his head must be farua, 
Rashi says that means Megudol Ferah. He has a growth of hair upon his head. In other words, he's not allowed to take a haircut for as long as he is in this particular uh, stage of the Mitzorah process. Ve'al Safam Ya'ateh, and on his, we'll see in a moment how Rashi explains the word Safam, but he says he shall cover his Safam ka'ovel, like an ovel. And now Rashi explains, Safam is Sar Hasvasayim, it is the hair around one's lips, in other words, the mustache, granon belaz. So it's saying that he must at least partially cover his head, cover his, his, even his mouth, ke'ovel, as Rashi says, like an ovel. V'tamei tamei yikra, and he shall call out, tamei tamei, Rashi says, mashmiya shehu tamei, he must make it heard, that he is Tameh, he must announce that he is Tameh, and then people will separate themselves from him. So he's in a certain form of isolation, a certain form of quarantine, and he must make it known to other people so that they don't come too close to him. Now, if we look at this Rashi, we will see two places where it looks like perhaps he is giving a reason. He's very uh, subtle, but there are two places which, if you look carefully, it looks like Rashi is giving a reason. It says, V'yal safam yateh, he will cover his mustache, or he will cover his lip. Rashi says, ke'ovel, like a mourner. That sounds a little bit like he's explaining that this person who has sinned and he has been stricken by HaKadosh Baruch Hu with this, with this, with this uh, affliction of saras, so therefore, he should be misabil, he should be in a state of mourning, and that's why he should cover his mouth. So it sounds a little bit like Rashi is giving a reason. And in the last Rashi on this Pasuk, it says, Tamei Tamei Yikro, Rashi says, Mashmiya Shehu Tamei, he must make it heard, he must announce that he is Tamei. Okay, that could just be Rashi's explanation, that's just, that's just explaining what does it mean, Tamei Tamei Yikro, that's just giving a definition. But now Rashi says, V'yifrashu mimenu, and people will separate themselves from him. That sounds a little bit like Rashi is giving a reason, which is which needs to be examined because, as we said before, that's not his usual way of doing things. Let's go to the next Pasuk. In the next Pasuk, Rashi is even more explicit in, in giving reasons for the commands of the Pasuk. Pasuk Memvav, Kol Yemei Asher HaNega Bo, all the days in which the Nega is in him, meaning all of the days, for as long as he still has the Tsaras, Yitma, he shall be impure. Tamehu, he is Tameh. What is the, why, why do we have that double expression? I'm not sure. I'm just taking note of that now. It says, Yitma, he will be Tameh. Tamehu, he is Tameh. Okay, that's a question. Tamehu. Badad yeshev, he shall sit, badad, he shall sit alone, michutz lemachane moshavo, his settlement, the place where he sits, the place where he dwells, shall be michutz lemachane, outside of the camp. In other words, he's in quarantine, he's not allowed to live where all the other people live. <coughs> Rashi says, badad yeshev, <clears throat> this means that even other people who are Tomei, 
may not sit with him. That's the meaning of badod. It's not just that he's tame, and a person who's tame can transmit his tumor to other people. That's by a lot of different kinds of tumor. Uh, if a person is tame mace, if a person, person came into contact with a dead body, so the person is tame mace, and if he touches somebody else, he makes that person tame mace. But here it's more than that because here he's not even allowed to sit around people, other people who are already tame. So he's not making them any worse. But still, badad shave. He must sit totally alone. For Omar Rabbi Seinu, our Rabbi said, What is the difference about what is different about this person, about this mitzora, more so than other tameim, more so than other people who are tame with different forms of tuma, shave badad that he has to sit all by himself. So the Gemara, the the Chazal, our Rabbi Seno, answer, who hivdil b'lashen hara bein ishle ishtai, he divided with his lashen hara between a man and his wife. He, for example, insulted a wife in front of her husband, he, in front of the husband, or with the possibility of the husband hearing about it. He said about this woman that she's ugly, she's stupid, she's whatever insult he threw at her. So he, he said Lashon Hara about this woman, and now her husband uh, doesn't love her so much anymore. The husband is alienated from her. Or between one person and his friend, or her friend. He said about Shimon that Shimon is a fat, ugly slob, and now Shimon finds that people are not so friendly with him. So Afhu Yibadel. So this person also, Yibadel, he shall be separated from society. So there, that's why he is so thoroughly separated from society, because he caused separation amongst people with his Lashon Hara. Therefore, the same should happen to him. We'll just complete the Rashi. Michutz <clears throat> Lamachane, the Pasuk says he must sit outside the Machane. Chutz Lesholish Machanes, he must sit outside all three of the camps. Within Klai Yisrael, there were three camps. There was the Machane Shechina, that's the, the Beis HaMikdash. There was the Machane Levia, which essentially includes the whole Harabayas, the whole Temple Mount compound, as it's sometimes called. And then there's Machane Yisrael, would be a whole city. He has to go out of all three, even if he's living in some other part of Eretz Yisrael. If he was living in a walled city, he would have to leave the walls of the city. Now, here in this Rashi, we, two, we see two things which are unusual for Rashi. Number one is that he asks an explicit question. Rashi does not usually ask explicit questions. Rashi usually expects us to understand what might be difficult about the Pasuk, and he just tells us the answer. He just tells us how to, how to understand the Pasuk. But here Rashi asks an explicit question, and that's one irregularity. And the second irregularity is, look what, what the question is about. The question is about, the question is saying, what's the reason for this mitzvah? Why does he have to be Yoshev Badud? Why does he have to sit separately from everyone else? That's not a Rashi type of question, because it's, it's asking, what's the reason for this mitzvah, which is something that Rashi does not usually do. So we need to look at each of these cases where it 
seems that Rashi is giving a reason for the mitzvahs and to understand that either he really is not giving a reason, he is, has some other objective in making his comment, or that he is giving the reason, but he's doing it only for some special reason. He's doing it only because some question on the Pusik is forcing him into that uncharacteristic endeavor. So let's begin with the first one. In Pasuk Memhe, it says, Bial Safam Yate, he will cover his mustache, he will cover his mouth. Rashi says, Ka'avel, like an Avel. And we said it sounds like perhaps Rashi is telling us that the reason he needs to do this is because he needs to conduct himself like a mourner, because he should be in mourning over his misbehavior and over his predicament. The simplest answer to this question is no. Rashi is not telling us why he needs to cover his mouth. He's just drawing a picture for us, what it looks like. What, what do these words exactly mean? So Rashi, apparently, Rashi expected his, his, his readers to have some picture in their mind of what a, an oval would look like with his face partially covered. Today, um, it, it's not the custom, at least that I've ever seen, that, that a Valim cover their face with some kind of a hood, but apparently it, it was a known custom in Rashi's days. And so he's telling you what, what it looked like, al-safam yateh. It's not a reason, it's a description. That's perhaps the simplest way to, to understand Rashi. There are a couple of other ways, which I think are also quite solid. The Sefer Mare Rachel explains that Rashi in his comment, Ke'avel, wanted to strengthen or introduce what he's about to say in the next Dibur HaMaschil, that the word Safam means Sar HaSfasayim, the hair by the lips. Uh, today, in, in modern Hebrew, yes, anyone who speaks modern Hebrew knows, a mustache is called Safam. But for someone learning Chumash, it's, it's not a common word. I don't, I don't think it appears anywhere else in Chumash. So, Rashi told he had to tell us that the word safam means the hair around one's lips. And in order to strengthen that point, in order to prove that point, he says that al-safam ya'ateh looks like an ovel. When, when he covers his safam, he does it in the way that an ovel does it, and how do, what does an oval do? He covers the, the area around his lips. He covers his mustache. So again, Rashi is, this is really just a slightly more sophisticated way of, of explaining it, but really very similar to the first thing I said. Rashi is not giving the reason why he has to cover his lips. That's Xeris Akosov. That's something the Torah says, and the Torah doesn't give a reason, and we don't have to have a reason as far as Pshusa Mikra is concerned but he is describing what it looks like in order that we will better understand and, 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 and be more sure of ourselves when, he, when we then go and, and say that safam means the hair around the lips. That's in the Sefer Mare Rachel. The Maskele David says a different explanation here. He says that on the next Pasek, on Pasek Memvav, Rashi says that he... Uh, he has to uh, sit all by himself outside the machine, and 
not on the next pasuk, and the, the next uh, the next piece of Rashi, the next Dibur Amaschel in this pasuk, Rashi says that the that Tamei Tamei Yikra means Mashmiya Shehu Tamei. The Mitzvah has to make it heard. He has to announce that he's Tamei VeYifrashu Mimenu, and people will stay away from him. Now the Maskele David said that that Rashi had a kasha on that. He had a kasha on himself. He had a problem on his own with his own commentary. The problem is that why would he have to make an announcement in order to tell people to stay away from him? Isn't it obvious that there's something wrong with this fellow? He's sitting there outside the camp. His clone is his clothes are torn. His hair is uncut. His face is is covered. So what do you mean he has to tell people what's the problem? He has to tell people to stay away. This is obviously some sort of wild person who is not to be not to be part of society. So on that Rashi answers that al safam yateh is keovel, and the masculine seems to be understanding the word keovel is really going back on all three of the hanhogos, all three of these practices that the Mitzvah does, that his clothing, are, are torn, his clothing is torn, his hair is uncut, his mouth area is covered, all of that is ka'avel, which means it's not so obvious that everybody has to stay away from him. People don't have to stay away from an oval, you're allowed to go sit with an oval, it's a mitzvah to go sit with an oval. So, so now we understand why the Mitzvah has to tell people to stay away. Because just by looking at him, one would think he is merely, quote-unquote, merely an oval. Okay, an oval, it's very unfortunate, but that doesn't keep us away from a person. That actually sends us to go visit the, the person. So, so now we understand why, in the end of the Pasuk, it says that, that the Mitzvah must make an announcement so people stay away. The second place where it looks like Rashi is giving a reason, is on the end of this Pasuk, which says, V'tamei tamei yikra. Rashi says, Mashmiya shehu tamei, he must announce that he is tamei. V'yifrashu mimenu, and thereby people will separate themselves from him. So it looks like he is explaining that the reason for announcing that he's tamei is in order that people should stay away from him. Sounds like he is giving a reason. A simple answer to this question, a simple way around this, is what, it, what the Revealio Mizrahi says. That He says that if you look at the Pasuk on a very simple level, it looks like perhaps other people are saying Tame Tame about this person, about the Mitzvah. So Rashi is explaining, no, it's the other way around. It's not that everybody should, should make fun of him or everyone else should identify him. It's, that, would be, that would be reading the Pusik, the Tame Tame Yikra, and every person should call this person Tame. But Rashi is telling us, no, no, that's not the point. It's Mashmiya Shehu Tame. He announces that he is Tame. The Mitzurah announces about himself that he is Tame. And why would he do that? Not because Rashi is looking for reasons why, but he is looking to support his point. What would be the purpose if I'm telling you that the Pasuk means Mashmiya Shehu Tameh, that he has to announce that he is Tameh? There must be some point to that. I mean, if I can't, if, I, if he can't 
give some rationale for that, then, then maybe that's not the pshat. So Rashi says, That does serve a purpose so that others should stay away from him. So therefore, Rashi is telling us that Tame Tame Yikra means that the Mitzvah himself must call out Tame. The Mari Rachel here again has a very relevant and good and strong comment. He says that in the words Tame Tame Yikra, there's another, uh, another interpretation which is given by Ral Bag, Rabbi Levi ben Gershem, uh, from, uh, from uh, quote-unquote medieval times, one of the Mepharshim. The Ral Bag explains the Tame and the Tame person, the Mitzorah, Tamei Yikra, shall call out Tamei. It's not that he calls out twice, Tamei, Tamei. No, Tamei, the, the, the person who is impure, Tamei Yikra. Now, that sort of leaves us with a question. Why does it say the word Tamei twice? It could have just, we're talking about this person in the whole Pasuk. The Pasuk begins with the word Vahat Sarua, the one who, the one who is afflicted with Saras. So if the end of the Pasuk would say, V'tamei yikra, and he will call out Tamei, we know who it is who's calling out Tamei, we would assume it's the same person we were talking about in the beginning, the one who has the Tsaras. So why does it say Tamei Tamei twice? So Rashi, unlike the Ralbag, Rashi understood that he has to call out Tamei Tamei two times. But then, again, if you're going to say that's the interpretation, you, you have to support it. You have to show that there's some, some reason why it should be like that. Some, there must be some reason why the Torah would command him to say it two times, if one would suffice. Because if you can't find some justification for that, then maybe that's not really what the Pasuk means. So Rashi says, what would be the point of saying it two times? So that people should separate themselves from him. In other words, it's not enough just to say it once. It's not just like a some kind of ritual that you say, Tame. No, he has to say it over and over again to make sure that people stay away from him. So according to this, yes, Rashi is giving a reason for why he should call out Tame Tame, but not because he in general is interested in telling us the reasons for all the mitzvahs. It's in order to support his, his literal and simple interpretation of the words. As I said before, our biggest question is on the Rashi on Pusik Memvov. Because Rashi there said that Badod Yeshev, he shall sit alone, means that he must sit away from everyone, and even other people who are Tomei may not sit with him. And then Rashi quoted a question. Why is the Mitzvah different? that he must sit all alone, uh, different from other form, people who have different forms of Tumah. And Rashi gives his famous answer. It's not his. He took it from Chazal. But he gives us the famous answer that the Mitzorah divided amongst people by speaking Lush and Hara, and therefore he himself must be separated from society. We said there are two questions on this Rashi. Number one, he's asking an explicit question. Which is, which is unusual for him. And number two, he is launching here a whole discussion of what is the reason for the mitzvah of Badad Yeshev. And that is uncharacteristic of Rashi. 
I think to understand this, we need to we need to know that the phrase "badad yeshev" has a different interpretation, not what Rashi gives. Chizkuni, on this pasuk, the the, the commentary Chizkuni says "badad yeshev." Asur l'shamesh mitasai. The Chizkuni says that badad yeshev, he shall dwell alone, means he is also to engage in conjugal relations with his wife. Shatashmish mimakosai. What exactly mimakosai means, not, I'm not exactly sure, but from the context we can understand that it's saying that the, the act of the, of, the relations, of the relations will be uh, in some way injurious to the Mitzvah. So the Chizkuni is saying that what does it mean, Badad Yeshev? He shall dwell alone. It means he must dwell separate from his wife. Now, Rashi, Dafka, did not say like that. Rashi said, Badad Yeshev is, is an even greater degree of separation. He's not only must be separate, he not only has to leave home, Maybe he could live with his wife somewhere else. I don't know, but but he, but he has to be separate from all of society. Even other people who are tamei may not dwell with him. Now there are several supports for Rashi's explanation, for Rashi's interpretation. First of all, the pasuk says, "Badod yeshev outside of the whole encampment. If we're talking here about just being separate from his wife. That's not chutzla machene. I mean, he could even stay at home. Just, just, just don't go near his wife. Just don't, don't, don't sleep in the same bed with her. So the fact that it says lamachene, chutzla machene, would, would indicate like what Rashi is saying. He has to go leave the city where nobody else, and go to a place where there's nobody else. Another support to Rashi's comment is that there is a Pusik later in the Parsha, which is discussing a later stage in the, in the development, in the process of this Mitzvah. It's talking after his Saras has lapsed, after it has been cured. And he then goes through a certain uh, ritual, we'll call it, with, with two birds and the blood of the bird, and there's a whole purification process. And then it says in Perik Yudalit, the mitaher, the one who is becoming tahor, will then launder its clothes. It means he has to put his clothes in the mikveh. He must purify his clothing. And he must shave off all of the hair on his body. And then he must wash himself in water, which means he must go to, the, to a mikveh. And then he will be tahor. And then he will come back into the machane, all the time that he was what's called a Mitzurah Muchlat, for the entire time that he was 100% a Mitzurah, he was Chutz the machane. Now, after he's gone through these various processes, he is now, it now says, Yavo el ha-machane, he may come back into the camp. But he must dwell outside of his tent for seven days. What does it mean he must dwell outside of his camp? So Rashi there says, Milamed, this teaches us, that he is forbidden to have marital relations for seven days. 
even though he has, the Tsaras has passed, and he has brought, he has done the, the ritual with the birds, and he has uh, purified his clothing, and he's, he's shaved off all his hair, and he has gone to the mikveh, and the Pasuk announces about him, Vitzahir, he is Tahar. But still, the Ashav Michutz Le'olei Shivas Yamim, there is still uh, one prohibition that, 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 that is upon him, and that is, he is Asr B'Tashmish Amita. That's how Rashi interprets the Pasuk. That's really how the Gemara in Meseches Mayit Katan, Daf Zayin Amid Beis, explains the Pasuk. So, it's, it's a little difficult, uh, according to the Chizkuni, according to Chizkuni, well, let's not, let's not involve the Chizkuni so much. Rashi, back on Pasuk Menvav, Perak Yud Gimel Pasuk Menvav, the Pasuk that we are dealing with, he didn't want to say that Badad Yeshev means he must sit separate from his wife. He may not have relations with his wife. Because there's a different Pasuk for that. There's the Pasuk in Perak Mem, mem uh, Perik Yudalit uh, Pasik Ches. So that would seem not to be the meaning of Pasik Memvov. You don't need two psukin to tell you the same thing. So since Rashi knew that later on in the Parsha it's going to say, um, it's going to say, Vyashav Michutzla Oloi, and that means he's, not, he's forbidden to, to have Tashmishamita. So therefore, Rashi did not want to say that here in Pasuk Menvav, and therefore he rejected the possibility of explaining it like Chizkuni. Nonetheless, when Rashi says, Badad Yeshev, and Rashi says that it means that other Tomei people may not sit with him, that he must be completely separated from society, that is a Chiddush, that, that's a position that he is taking against the possibility of some other positions that other commentators took or might take. So Rashi, I believe, wanted to support his position. Now, when Rashi comes to support his own position, when he comes to prove his own point, many of the rules that we say about Rashi fall away. I've said this a number of times. First of all, when Rashi wants to prove his own point, he will ask explicit questions. He doesn't expect us to know what's weak about his position. He expects us to read the Pusik very carefully and to know what are the questions that arise out of a simple but careful reading of the Pusik. He does not demand of us that we think of all the questions that, one, that, that might arise upon his comments, about, about his positions. So first of all, Rashi asks an explicit question. Why does he have to sit so totally alone? He just took a position that the meaning of the words badad yeshev don't mean that he merely is forbidden to his wife. No. It could, in matter of fact, if you go through the Gemara, at this stage of the process, at least according to one opinion, he is permitted to his wife. So it doesn't mean he's forbidden to his wife. It means something much more general than that. He is forbidden to, to, to be in the society of any other person, even other people who are tamei. He can't get too close to them. So on that, Rashi said, well, I mean, is that so? Why would that be? And if I can't give any good reason why it should be, then maybe I should change the meaning of Badad Yeshev. Maybe I should interpret those words differently. So Rashi asks an explicit question, 
And it's an explicit question which is investigating the reason for a mitzvah. Because, again, Rashi doesn't just look at a mitzvah and say, what's the reason? That, that he's not interested in. But if he is trying to explain the simple meaning of the words in a Pusik, if knowing the reason will help us understand what it's saying and help us to determine what it's saying, then he will ask. He will investigate what's the reason. So here he asked, what could be the reason that this Mitzvah has to be so totally separated from others? And he answers because he spoke Lashon Hara and he separated between Ishla Ishtai, Ishla Riehu. He caused separations and barriers to be created between people, and therefore there is this extreme barrier between him and others. Now, all of this supports Rashi's position that Badod Yeshev means there's a barrier between him and all other people. If it means, if it just meant like Chizkuni, that there's a barrier between him and his wife, uh, okay, therefore he's not allowed to be with his wife. He's, he, that, that doesn't really follow. If he was Mavdil between different people, between all different kinds of people, between one fellow and his, and his buddy, so it's not only about wives and husbands, it's about all people. So it, it, it wouldn't be a good answer. The whole question of and the answer regarding Lush and Hara, they, it all supports Rashi's interpretation of the words that it means that he must be totally separated from all society. As usual, I would like to raise the question, okay, we've answered all of the technical questions, what is the point of all of this? Why exactly is it that because this person caused a separation between a man and his wife, between a man and his friend, therefore this person should be separated from society? What, what exactly is the purpose of this isolation of this person? Is it uh, something like putting a child in time out? Uh, I think what it says in the uh, child psychology books is that we put a child in time out not to punish him, but uh, not really to teach him a lesson, but really the point is simply to stop a certain pattern of behavior, simply to allow the child to reset. Is that what's going on over here? There is a very interesting uh, discussion here in the Sefer HaChinuch, Mitzvah Kuf Ayin Aleph. And he's explaining Mishor HaMitzvah, what are the roots, or what, are, what we would say, what are some of the reasons for this mitzvah that the mitzvah has to be isolated from all other people? He begins by saying, The person is so that this person should take a picture in his soul. He should, uh, he should think about the following. He should picture the following. When he is distanced from other people, he should think the following, that it is because of his sin, that a person will be distanced from all good things. We mentioned once before, uh, regarding a different mitzvah, that the Sefer HaChinuch says that one of the worst things that could happen to a person is to be totally isolated from society. Here, too, it sounds like he is following that same theme. We take this person who has sinned, and he has sinned rather grievously, 
by speaking Lashon Hara. That is uh, considered to be a very serious crime. And therefore, when he is Rachik, Mikol Tov, when he now is separated from everything good, meaning he is isolated, and that's a very, very undesirable position to be in, he should think, he should realize that it's because of his sin. Laman Yashuv Midarkoi Haro'a, in order that he should retract and he should repent from his evil way. Now, so far, it, it sounds like he's understanding that um, he, he did a very serious crime, and therefore he is punished with a very serious punishment in order to, to make him think about it. He then goes off into what seems like a different direction. We'll read a little bit. Uchlal gadol b'chol hadvarim, a great principle in all matters, a great principle, a great general principle is what the Gemara in Mesecha Saita says, in, a, in the measurement that a person measures, with that measurement they measure him. Meaning, the way a person acts, that's how Shemayim, that's how the heavenly court will act with him. Measure for measure. Now, he says, however, the explanation of this, of Mida Keneged Mida, most people don't know. Most people think to explain this idea of Mida Keneged Mida as it regards Hashem, similar to how people are goimel, how they repay each other, either for good or for bad. Every person will repay his friend with a payment, according to the good that the friend did with him, or according to the bad. That's a natural human tendency. Somebody did something nice for me, I try to do a similar nicety back. Somebody dealt with me in an unfair, unkind way, it is a natural tendency to want to give back the same. However, this is not, this is not what it means when we say it about a kodesh baruchu. Chalila, God forbid, we should say that. Hashem is not petty like that. Because by Hashem there is only goodness and kindness and mercy always. And at every moment, Hashem's goodness is always ready to be, to be, to be sent to, whom, to whomever is Roy the Kabloi, to whomever is ready to accept it. Hashem's goodness is always there. And the guardian of Israel will never sleep and never slumber, as it says in Tillim. Pardon me, I lost the place. This that our rabbis told us in the Gemara Saita. This that the that Achachamim told us that Hashem also uses this this uh, this practice of mida connected mida. So again, it can't mean that 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 what you do to Hashem, He pushes back in your face. No, that can't be. What does it mean? Hakavana Lemar, the intent is, 
According to a person's actions, whether they are good or the other way around, he will become prepared, he will become fit to receive the gemul. Meaning you, you get what you deserve, naturally. It is a natural consequence that if you act in a good and kind way, good and kind things will, will find you. You act in a cruel and unkind way, cruel and unkind things will simply befall you. Always, in the same way in which a person will place his thoughts and he will do his actions, in the same way, literally, it will be nimshachalav, it will be drawn to him either the blessing or the opposite. It's not that Hashem wants to push back in your face the bad that you did. It's simply a natural consequence. You do, you do something cruel in a particular way, a, that particular, some form of that particular kind of cruelty will come back. And you do something good in a particular kind of way, something of that form of good will, you are now naturally prepared to receive that form of good. And he quotes here a Pasuk in Eicha, which says, Ki lo ino milibo It says about Hashem, lo ino milibo. He does not cause suffering from his heart, from his mind. Hashem does not want to cause suffering to anybody, even to somebody who has misbehaved. And he does not cause yagon. He does not cause suffering and sadness to b'nei'ish, to, to, to people. Hashem doesn't do that. It's just that the person brings it upon him or herself. And here we'll read one more line. It is the person who obligates himself. The person puts himself or herself into a predicament or into a situation. When the person strays from the straight and good path, when the person removes from himself those hachonais, those uh, preparatory conditions which will make him fit to receive the goodness of Hashem, when a person removes those things from himself or herself, so then automatically the person is, is open to, to certain unfortunate natural consequences. Of course, everything's being directed by a Kodesh Baruch Hu. The system was set up by a Kodesh Baruch Hu. I assume that maybe in certain extraordinary cases, the system could be, a Kodesh Baruch Hu could intervene in the system. But the basic rule is you get what you pay for, whether it's for good or for bad. Not because Hashem wants to, to knock you over the head when you did something bad. It is simply that you are lacking the ability to receive the good things, and therefore you are vulnerable to some of the other things. This is one of the lessons from these parshias of Tazria Mitzrayim.